my name is Dana Shapiro from Champaign-Onrio, and you are listening to Camille's Demi Hour on 89.5 Nantucket's NPR station. Champaign-Onrio is excited to be the summer sponsor, and we are honored to be a part of this island community, and we look forward to sharing our delicious champagnes with all of you on this beautiful island. Enjoy the show, and cheers. Don't forget, a glass of champagne makes everything better. And good morning. Thank you so much for listening. This is Camille's Demi Hour on Nantucket's NPR 89.5. Every week on this show, we talk all things Epicurean on Nantucket. This island is overflowing with amazing dining experiences, incredible chefs, farmers, very, very talented food and wine people, and we get to talk to them here and hear their insights. Today, I am proud to welcome Craig Hanna from Toppers at the Wawinit. When I was first planning this show, I knew I wanted him to be my guest, but with the busy season, I was finally able to get him into the studio today. So Craig, welcome. It's lovely to have you here. It's great to be here uh, with my good friend Camille and her wonderful radio show. <laughs> Craig was my boss, my mentor, and considered now a very dear friend of mine. And he is someone that I feel is very, very knowledgeable in the wine arena. But more than that, he's equally as humble about his knowledge as well. He has been running the wine department at Toppers, which is a Reland Chateau property at the Wawinit. And he has been there for uh, close to 22 years. 25 years. 25 years. All right, Craig, let's let's start from the beginning. What brought you to the island? Well, uh, I originally came years ago. A good friend of mine, Peter Wallace, was uh, had graduated from the Culinary Institute and was running a wonderful restaurant called the India House. I graduated from the University of Maine in, oh gosh... 1983. You don't have to tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Peter, I had worked for the winter at a ski area because I couldn't get a job in my chosen field. And uh, it was springtime and I was unemployed and Peter Wallace needed a dishwasher, garmanger, beer director, wine director, I don't know. Many hat, man. And uh, so I came down to help him out at the India House towards the end of its existence here on Nantucket. Okay. And then what happened next? Uh, After that, I uh, moved around some. Uh, I was out in Washington State uh, at a ski area called Crystal Mountain, and I ran several of their food and beverage functions out there, a big nightclub, and then was offered a Peter had by that time become the head chef at the Walwinnet, and uh, they'd gone through perhaps several managers, and I was contacted wondering if I was interested in the position. So essentially the first three and a half years I was at the Wall Winnet, I uh, was more of the uh, maitre d'. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then eventually uh, I left the island for a year and a half when my daughter was born in 1994 and uh, returned as... In a different function, I was involved with all the restaurant reservations as well as after I stopped taking reservations, I would work on the floor as a sommelier and uh, ended up shortly thereafter uh, running the the full beverage program uh, at Toppers and continue to do so to this day. And in between uh, winters, you were going to Vail? Vail, yeah. I worked several uh, wonderful winters in, in Vail. And uh, I actually still work the holidays. Uh, it's been four, this will be my fifth year in a row. I work the holidays 
in Beaver Creek, Colorado, at a wonderful restaurant up on the mountain called Zach's Cabin. And I think if there's anything Craig likes more than wine is skiing, and then maybe the Red Sox. I think. (laughs) (laughs) I do ski a lot. It's a little difficult here on Nantucket. How was it this winter? Did you get out? I got 50 days in this winter. Please don't repeat that to my coworkers. (laughs) Okay, so let's um, let's talk wine. When I was working there, the list was close to 1,400 producers and over um, 20,000 bottles. Are you still around that quantity? Yeah, we're actually, uh, for many years now, it's been that amount more or less because um, our wine cellars are full. So uh, now... Unless we build a larger area, uh, we pretty I pretty much purchase a case of wine as I sell a case of wine. Okay. What is the philosophy of the list at Toppers? Well, I was fortunate there um, that uh, our ownership allowed an investment. And if we go back some time, you know, it was very common to buy Bordeaux's, Piedmontese wines and things like that that you would sell her for a long time, and we do. We still actively sell her wines. Some of the modern wines aren't really designed that way as much, um, but uh, it's very common for us to, for instance, in Burgundy, we're serving 2008 and 2010, both very good vintages, very classic vintages. I think most restaurants are probably running on 12 and 13 now. Mm-hmm. So when you're replacing some of the wines that you're selling, Where's the forethought in knowing what you're going to purchase and time? Are, are you filling gaps or you're also looking for vintages that are coming out and what's current? Uh, both. Um, we, we especially look to, you know, to invest in vintages that we consider very strongly. At the Wall Winnet, I would say 60% of our wine sales are French on a nightly basis, uh, Burgundy being a, a, a very large part of that, followed by uh, the Northern Rhone and Bordeaux, and some other outlying areas. I would uh, generally buy heavily and more heavily in vintages that are great vintages and buy less in uh, so-so vintages. The problem with Burgundy, our focus uh, in recent years, is that they've had so many small harvests in a row that the quantity has been limited for them, and as a result of demand, the prices have gone steadily up. Well, I do imagine with the length of time you've been there, the relationships you have with your distributor and your sales reps and having the inside knowledge, they must be a great resource. They are. One of the beauties of working in the wine business is in general, from salespersons to uh, distributors to importers to winemakers, they're really in general a great group of people and uh, great to work with and fun to be around and very generous. And if you are just tuning in, we are with Craig Hanna. I'm very proud to have him as my guest today. He is a mentor and a dear friend of mine. And we were just talking about his wine list at the Walwinit, which he has been running for over 20 years. And you have just been awarded the 19th consecutive year Wine Spectator Grand Award winner, correct? We've had that since 1996. Michael, Fee- Michael Fahey, uh, a famous wine guy on the island, achieved that uh, for us. And uh, I've tried to carry on since then somewhat. What are the qualifications for? Um, uh, well, for I do have to uh, uh, say that they, uh, unbeknownst to us, do send out a mystery shopper every, I don't know how, every so many years. Uh, they will come to dinner 
and usually order and ask some unusual questions. And then the following day, introduce themselves, and they will pick out perhaps 10 or 12 wines on your list, and they want to be shown the bottles to ensure that you are not making a list that looks good that doesn't actually reflect what you own. Wow. We also, I'd like to say, just this week, we're awarded uh, from Wine Enthusiast the we're a member of the 100 greatest uh, wine restaurants in the world in their publication. Well, congratulations. That's great. That's great. Another another reason to go and enjoy dinner there. So the food, how do you relate it to the wine list? Uh, well, it's the most important thing. Chef Kyle Zachary uh, is incredible to work with. Um, he's a real challenge for the wine team, Hutron and myself, uh, being that uh, he doesn't, his focus of flavors is multidimensional, so it's a matter of identifying the predominant character of a dish in terms of matching. We uh, have for years, uh, before it was popular, done six-course chef's menu, which you can have matched with wine to every course. We also do that in a a six-course vegetarian menu that can be matched with wines as well, which is also a good challenge for a sommelier to work with um, basically vegetable flavors in that case. Mm -hmm. And you still offer those, and are they still as popular as they used to be? Offered every single night of the season. So when you're on the floor, you are on the floor. You're not behind the scenes. You're out there every single night, as I I know and have worked with you. At my age, not every single night. (laughs) I have very, very good uh, help through the years. And uh, a a very important part for us uh, is our lunch service, too. We serve a lot of wine at lunch, a lot of our uh, particularly rosé um, sales occur at lunch. I had one lunch last year that I served 22 bottles of rosé, <laughs> not to one big table, to a multitude of diners. So, Well, that was my first job was the daytime, daytime song where I learned uh, most of my Come wine. Back. <laughs> most of my wine knowledge came from Craig, and I was lucky enough to work there during the day and taste some amazing wines, and that's really kind of where my passion started and I returned off and on and was lucky enough to be part of that team. So I I know why I returned back to this island for all the great people and food and wine. And I imagine you feel the same. Why do you keep coming back after 25 years? Well, the, to be honest, I'm, I grew up in a rural area. And um, it's kind of unusual to match uh, fine dining with rural areas. Uh, probably more of a thing you used to see in... France with the Michelin three-star restaurants out in the middle of nowhere. So I, I come back. I love the natural beauty here. Uh, I probably know all most, if not all, the hiking trails, walking trails on Nantucket. And uh, I enjoy the wildlife, the birds, uh, the natural setting that we're in. We're not in the middle of Manhattan. Our business would be completely different if it was. And it's nice to work with guests who are escaping the stresses of the world. We don't host a lot of business dinners, for instance. Mm-hmm. So after all this time, what have you witnessed in how the American palate has changed or the wine drinking there at the wall in it? There is a great evolution in uh, what I've seen. Uh, I think the modern American couple uh, both cook nowadays. When you look at the modern, beautiful American home, the centerpiece now is the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I went I grew up in a house where 
I shouldn't say I grew up. I went to college and lived in a house where the kitchen was way in the back and the kit and the uh, cook's quarters were right behind it next to the big pantry. He would never take guests in there. So I think America has really focused on uh, food and beverages uh, very much more so and entertaining in the kitchen. I think the future for a lot of sommeliers will be working at fine wine stores and uh, communicating with guests like, what are you serving for dinner tonight? Mm-hmm. And what wine would be appropriate for that? We get a lot of guests that are foodies, and uh, some in particular don't ever want to see a menu. They will, we're, we're blessed with a wait staff that has been there a long time, and they'll say, you tell us what to have this evening. Yeah, that's fine. You don't have to think about it as a guest, and you can just let the chef cook for you. I think that's always a treat. And if you're just listening, we are with Craig Hanna. He is the wine director at Toppers out at the Wawinit. And we have been talking about the evolution of the guests that over the past 25 years he has been working there. And he leads and manages probably one of the best wine lists on the island. And I wanted to ask you a question about decanting wines. When I worked there, it was a, there was a lot of decanting because... Uh, I think it; those wines need it, but what's your thoughts on decanting? Well, I think there's really, in general, three reasons to decant. Um, the first is sediment, which wouldn't hurt you a bit if you swallow it. However, uh, somewhat unpleasant weight and evening with a lot of grit in your teeth. So we have a lot of older wines, aged wines, that uh, will throw sediment, so we decant to prevent sediment. The second reason would be young, powerful wines uh, that we want to open up. And uh, even white wines now, we see we oftentimes decant a white wine or two an evening that are like a young, powerful Grand Cru white burgundy. Um, the third reason is uh, uh, just to pleasure the guest. Um, it's, you know, why do some restaurants do tableside service uh, of desserts and mm-hmm. salads? It's, uh, it's another step to just make the wine look beautiful and to take yes, care of it. Yeah. What are some misunderstandings about wine that you um, that you encounter? Well, we, we do get uh, guests that apologize to us that they want red wine with fish. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have an ongoing uh, discussion right now with our wine people that our, our lobster dish at present, some prefer with Pinot Noir, mm-hmm. which is unusual, but that has to do with the sauce. And other people prefer with Chardonnay. Um, I cut it right down the middle. I'll go with champagne because it has both of those grapes. <laughs> um, so there are there is the old, you know, white with fish, red with meat. Mm-hmm. Have whatever you like to drink. And, uh, you know, there is no wrong answer. The other thing I would say that uh, used to be really a stigma and has lessened and is actually very beneficial for uh, the sommelier team where I work is uh, people who... Uh, point out a price. Mm-hmm. You know, when you per- purchase an automobile, you probably have a price point in mind. Right. Uh, uh, when you purchase steaks, you probably have a price point in mind at the supermarket. Mm-hmm. And if somebody tells me they want an $85 bottle of wine, a $55 bottle of wine, a $40 bottle of wine, or a $250 bottle of wine, it's very easy for me to take a minute or two and focus in on wines at that price range. There is no difficulty. It actually makes my job easier. Yeah. 
that that's that's good for people to know because the small EA world, I think it's still sometimes very um maybe not as approachable. Stuffy and, and full of artists. <laughs> Uh, um, which I think your team and working with you there, you work hard to be as comfortable and as friendly and as unintimidating to the guests as possible, which allows for that dialogue to happen because a lot of people don't necessarily know what they want or how to read a list like that, mm-hmm. even with a lot of knowledge. Uh, so you do want to always try to give some sort of direction and mm-hmm. um, getting feedback from them. So what sort of wine do you enjoy? Yeah, it's a good that, start. That gets, gets us focused in a specific direction as right. well. And so we were talking about your list earlier, too, that it's mostly um, focused, from what I remember, Champagne, Burgundy, and Northern Italy are kind of your focus mm-hmm. points for the list. Northern Rhone as well. And Northern Rhone. And the other thing for us that uh, makes it easy for a couple is we purchase a very large amount of half bottles. So one person wants white, one person wants red. We're all set. It's a great way to go. Instead of two glasses of champagne, have a half bottle of champagne. Right. And you can have a different selection. It, it feels like you're almost getting a bargain in some capacity, but an underappreciated category of, of wine. Personally, I'm not, I have no understanding of half bottles. I usually <laughs> look bigger than that. <laughs> so magnums, you have a lot of magnums, right? Yes. And many larger things as well. And it, it is also a very fun way to go when it's a a group of, it could be six people, four people, eight people. Uh, you know you're going to have multiple bottles. Um, why not look at a big bottle? Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly a great way to go. Uh, I also, the wall when it being removed from town and being a bit of a drive, we're also uh, very fortunate that the law was enacted, I don't know, five or six years ago that allows you to take an unfinished bottle of wine home. Um, it certainly helps with uh, dessert wine, especially, too. Right. So the one thing we haven't really, well, I'm sure there's lots more we can talk about, but I I haven't heard enough about your inspiration in fine wine and really what created your palate to be, to be what it is today. Well, I think uh, what inspired me the most was what came out of a bottle one day, uh, and it was here on Nantucket at the India House. Uh, we opened in bottle of Pouligny Montrachet, and uh, I'd never tasted anything like that. Mm. I was fortunate uh, to work three winters at a great restaurant in central Vermont called Hemingway's. Uh, the owner, chef there, Ted Von Dulles, uh, put me in charge of the whole beverage program there, which included a pretty extensive wine cellar. And uh, unfortunately, it's closed now. They got flooded out. Uh, several years ago, and that was the end of it. Um, but uh, many years ago, I'm trying to think specifically what the years were, the early 90s, uh, and they'd been in business for quite some time, they were doing a uh, tasting menu that you could have wines matched to, a vegetarian menu you could have wines matched to, uh, and Ted would switch it constantly on me at the last moment, and you know, what wine are you going to pour with that course? What wine are you going to pour with that vegetarian course? And it really got me thinking and focusing on the matching of food and wine together. So I would like to thank Ted for that. And, uh, you know, he was definitely ahead of his time. Yes, very much so. Uh, it was a great restaurant and at one point had received an award as one of the 50 greatest restaurants in the world 
Wow. It's a very long time ago. Mm-hmm. So um, I do want to ask before you depart, uh, your philosophy on food and wine pairing. I know we... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> My, mine is like with like contrasts and regional and that's kind of the base that's not just mine i think that's kind of i, th- I think to be generic honest in the wine world no i think that's a great and and to be honest for the general public um if you're creating a a dish that reflects a certain region then choose a wine from that region that's always a whether it's bet. white or red or mm-hmm. something else um so in general, I think that's uh, that's a very there's a reason that certain things go together so well. Right, foie gras practice and sauterne or foie gras and yeah. court de chaume, the classic matches. Well, is there anything that you want to share with the island of Nantucket in regards to wine knowledge or drinking wine, fine wine that is? I would like to tell the producers of this show that they need to interview Camille Broderick because she has a great varied. <laughs> Incredible background in food and beverage, and uh, uh, she's got a story to tell. So, oh, well, thanks. I'm tr- <laughs> I'm inspired by those around me and by this amazing, beautiful island. So, the the well, when it is a special place, it's one of the only places to me that actually slows down in in time, and it's it allows you to enjoy those wines that much more. I have to say, one of the other great things about working all these years at the well, when it is. Our favorite time of year for the workers is generally September and October. Mm-hmm. So you get the best last at the end of the season, and we always tend to have wonderful falls out here. And, and, and that's when the locals here are done working, and they can come and enjoy it and, absolutely. and avoid the crowds. Uh, dine, dining, this, this island is full of great restaurants with great wine lists. It's so easy. You, you could uh, go 10 days without having a bad meal here by mm-hmm. any means, and having great bottles of wine. It's a great, uh, you know, we all support each other, and uh, it's a lot of return business. We see guests we know time and time again, and it's mm-hmm. uh, it's like we haven't seen each other in six months, and it's great to meet again and yep. talk about the winter that was so horrible. <laughs> well, thank you again so much, Craig, for being here. Uh, this was Craig Hanna from Toppers at the Wall Win It. My old boss, my number one mentor, and a dear friend of mine. And good luck with the rest of your season, Craig. Cheers. And before we end the show today, I would like to send my sincere sympathies to the family and friends of Joseph Onrio, a leader and innovator in the champagne and burgundy world. We thank you for all the joy that you've brought into our lives through your beautiful creations. And I assure you, you will be thought of often on the island of Nantucket. No time.